It's going to be a great day. And those of you who received the Holy Ghost today, you're going to have the best day of your life. There is no drug that can ever top it. There is no drug that can ever top receiving the Holy Ghost. There's no bottle, there's nothing you can drink ever better than receiving the Holy Ghost. It's joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. It's having God on the inside of you. Man. Hey, greet your neighbor and tell him it's Pentecost Sunday. Man, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day the Holy Ghost is going to pour out. It's a big day. Let's do this in Jesus' name. You go back to your seats too. I'm going to go to the Word today, Luke 24, 45. I'm going to the Word today. Actually, I'll go to Acts 2 first. Let's start with that one. Sorry about that, Cheyenne. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord in one place. That's where we are right now. I hope we're all in one accord. I hope we're all in one mind. Amen. People come to church, if you all want Jesus, then we're in one accord right now. And if you want to stand, you can. I'm going to read the word to you here, and then we'll get into the preaching. I'll let you be seated in just a few moments. But, but this is so powerful. It's Pentecost Sunday, and this is the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They could tell that the Spirit of God was moving in the house, in the room, in the space. It was like a wind that was blowing. Can anybody see the wind? Can anybody actually see wind? No. But you believe in it, right? People come to church like, I don't know if God's really here or we're crazy. No, you're not crazy for feeling the wind, are you? Just because you can't describe it, just because you can't show anybody doesn't mean the wind's not real. The wind is real whenever you feel it, and it's real when you see it working on something else. Then you know there's wind. You can, you can feel God's presence when God begins to move. You can see God moving. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues or cloven tongues in the King James Version as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled, they were all filled with the Holy, Holy Ghost, King James, Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability to speak. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Isn't that exciting? It's going to happen again today. It's going to happen today in this place in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. It's great. And I promise you, it won't happen to you if you don't want it to happen to you. And this was 120 people gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem who began to be full of the Holy Ghost, speaking other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. And it was, it's for everybody. It's for women and for men. There were women and men in that upper room. It's for everybody. It's not just for preachers. It's for everybody, and I want you to have it today before you leave. Now, let's go to Luke 24, 45 through 49. Let's go to before the moment. Let's talk about before it, because we're going to end up there, but we've got to get there. So Luke 24, 45, and they opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Everybody say, now they, they know the Bible. This is really cool, y'all. He opened, I don't know how he did it, but... But Jesus opened up their understanding, and all of a sudden it was like they just, they just understood. 
That'd be nice, right, if God would just open up our understanding. People say, I don't understand the Bible. Wouldn't it be cool if the Lord just opened up your understanding and you opened up that old dusty Bible and it was like, oh, it starts to make sense now. That's what happened. He opened up their understanding, except they didn't have the New Testament. They have the Old Testament. So that's even better because the Old Testament's difficult, right? So, so he helped them understand the Old Testament, all the begots and begots and begots, 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 all of the begots. It's like, I get it. I know now why I know what that word means now, right? Wow, it means they had a baby. It's a begot. And so now I understand all of this, and he opened up their understanding. So now they know the scriptures. That's pretty powerful. Verse 46, then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ, he's talking about himself, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Everybody say preached. In his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, we've got to get out and we've got to preach this message right here. The life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we don't stop there. We've also got to preach repentance. Somebody say repentance. See, the death is when he turned to us. Repentance is when we turn to him. Repentance is death. He dies for us, we die for him. Nothing's going to happen today if you're not willing to die for him. He died for you. Is anybody ready to die for him? It's only fair. Well, actually, it's not fair because he didn't deserve it. We do. But he died for us, and that's why we preach repentance. I am not ashamed to preach repentance because he was not ashamed to die for me. I'm not asking for too much today. When I tell you to turn away from this wicked world and turn to Jesus, I'm not asking for too much. I'm actually asking for too little because the life of a God was given up for us. We owe him everything, and it should not make you delay one second. You ought to be ready to give your life to Jesus so easily today. So we got to preach repentance, and we got to preach the good news. That's the remission of sins. You turn to God, and those sins can be removed from you. He will take you in. And we got to preach it in his name. What's his name? Jesus. To all nations, no matter who you are, where you're at, starting at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. Eyewitnesses. He's talking to people who have seen Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. They have their understanding opened, and they've seen God face to face. This is the context. These are the people that he's talking to. You've got to know who he's talking to to know what's about to happen next. Someone say witnesses. The, you can't get much better than this. They have understanding of Scripture. They have eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ. They, they're the top of the top. Shouldn't they just start their ministries? Shouldn't they just go now? What are we waiting on? Let's go save the world. You just told me to go preach. What next? Surely we're done, right? No, we're not done. Jesus isn't done giving him instructions. You ready? You want the rest of it? Here we go. Verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. And that word means to wait. Sit down and wait. 
in the city of Jerusalem, because that's where it's going to start, until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. You've got understanding of Scripture. You've walked with Him. You've seen Him. But you can't even start your ministries yet until you have Him. I'm already feeling the power of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. When you preach the Word of God, the Lord begins to show up and you can feel Him moving in the place. I just get chills reading the Bible like that. Praise God. So, so I want to preach today, the witnesses must wait. I, I, it doesn't matter how much you know, you've got to go to Pentecost. Doesn't matter how much you know about Jesus, doesn't matter how much scripture you memorize, you've got to go to Pentecost. Don't, don't, don't collect $200. Just go to, go to Pentecost. Some of you Monopoly players know what I'm talking about. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated today. I'm glad you're here. There's a wrong way and a right way to wait on Jesus. We talk about waiting on the Lord. We've got to make sure we get this right. Because there's a lot of folks that think they're waiting on the Lord, but they're not doing anything. There's a right way to wait on the Lord. Some of us like obeying the doctrine of waiting on the Lord. It's tempting to pretend that we are inactive and disconnected because God is being quiet and we're waiting on Him to talk. I would go to church if the Lord would just give me some directions. I would pray. If God would speak to me and tell me how, I would fast, but I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me how much, when, what. I would forgive. I'm waiting on the Lord to release me. We, just, we sound so spiritual. Yeah, I would believe. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I would give today. I'm just waiting on the check in my spirit. We say stuff like that, don't we? I'm just not sure I'm ready yet. I'm not sure if I have the green light. I'm not sure if I feel a peace in my spirit. And we find all kinds of ways to say that we are waiting on Him. I would do it, but, but I'm just not sure it's the right time. So I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do what I want because I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, we sound spiritual, don't we? I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. I would surrender my life to Jesus. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Yep. It's easy to dress up our disobedience in delay and call it waiting on the Lord. It's easy. I'm, you're going to be a little convicting before it gets exciting, okay? You need both when you come to church. We only have one service. It's easy to dress up our disobedience in delay and call it waiting on the Lord. I love that song that came out a little while back. I'm going to wait on you. That's about all I know. That's about all I want to do before I get embarrassed. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. That's the song. And we, we sing it, and we sing it, and we don't pursue anything. 
And we don't do what God told us to do because we make up in our minds that waiting on the Lord is super spiritual. And not doing anything means I've got a zen and a peace and I've got control because I'm doing nothing right now and it's spiritual. But there are times when you can be waiting and be all wrong in your waiting. My wife has a saying that slow obedience is no obedience. She doesn't tell it to me. She tells it to others when I'm around. And I, I get it. I get, the, I get the overflow of the word. We, we pray one-day prayers. Lord, one of these days I'm going to. God's like, Lord, just do it now. You already have the good intentions to start. Lord, one of these days I'm going to. And God's like, oh, whatever. You said that before. And we're like, we pray these one-day prayers. We pray these good intention prayers. Like, like, like we pray who we wish we were. Lord, you know, that, you know that in my heart I want to, but I'm not. And God's like, that's not, you're not being genuine. You're not being honest. You're praying to make yourself feel good. You're not even praying right when you talk to yourself. Prayer is not a moment where you talk yourself into thinking things that you're better at than what you really are. Prayer is absolute confession to a God who already knows everything you're battling. We pray the Lord you know prayers. You ever pray the Lord you know? <laughs> Lord, you know I tried going to church. Lord, you know I tried to pull money out of my wallet. And when I did, the devil said no, and it went back in. And Lord, you know my heart. I would have, you know, I wanted to give it, but it's something locked up, Lord, you know. So I'm gonna go do what I want with the money, Lord. And God's sitting here like, I know everything, and I know that you're lying. I know everything. You you're telling God what he knows. Who do you think you are? He's the God. I'm not the God. I should be asking God what he knows in prayer, not telling God what I know or think he knows. But we pray the Lord, you know prayers. You know I got lots of bills, God. And God's like, I got lots of hills. Because the Bible says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. You got bills, he's got hills. And so you need to not talk about God, like give him a chance to talk. Because we, we say, Lord, you know, you know, Lord, I'm going through a tough time. And I'm so glad the Bible says that Jesus went through everything. He was tempted in every way. I'm so glad that we know that Jesus has walked in our shoes and been through our battles. And there are now no excuses. Because there's an answer for every Lord you know. There's a plan for everything you're up against right now. There's a solution out of everything that you're in. But we pray these prayers of, Lord, now you know, you know I'm hurting and I can't. Is God in charge or are we in charge? Because we pray prayers to help us wait a little longer. And these prayers medicate us and protect us from actually having to obey God. And we call it waiting on the Lord. But there's only one way to pray to a God who knows everything, and it's honest prayers. Lord, you know that I am a liar. You know that I am lazy. You know that I am selfish. You know that really deep down, I don't want to give a dime. That's how you pray. Because then the Lord can look at you and say, yeah, I know, I'm going to help you with that. 
I'm going to baptize you today with a fresh spirit before you leave this place to where you no longer want to do that anymore. If you will be honest in your prayers, then you know you'll have to activate your faith and do something before you leave this service. The only way to pray to a God that knows everything is to say, I'm messed up, I'm angry, I want to quit, I want to throw in the towel, God, I'm done. You know what I'm going through, you know me, and I know me. I'm going to be honest with you, God, right now. I'm not going to try to butter this all up and make this sweeter than it is. I am hurting, I am desperate for you. That's called truth right there. And when you begin to talk truth, what's going to happen next is you're going to have to do something. We love to be ignorant because then we can wait on the Lord. Yeah, that's why we don't study our Bible because then we just wait on the Lord. And then there are times we don't need to pray at all. We just need to obey. You don't have to pray about something God's already told you in prayer. Because God will speak to us in prayer and we'll go back in prayer a week later and go, Now, Lord, last week you told me something. And I want to wait on you and make sure it's you. And God's like, I'm going to tell you the same thing I already told you. But Lord, are you sure you really are talking to me? I'm going to wait on you until I know it's you. You know it's him. You know it's him. Anything you've got to keep fighting that's coming to your heart and mind is is God's word and you don't want to obey it. Anything you keep resisting, anything that keeps pulling at you and nagging at your spirit, uh, you know God's already talked to you and you just don't like what he told you and it stays there nagging on you and it won't leave you alone. And you say you're waiting on the Lord. But there are times we do not need to wait, we just need to obey. Let me show you what the Lord gave me. I love the story of, of, of Abram when he was called by God. I'll, let me just kind of go through this with you. This is really fun. So Genesis 12 and 1 now the Lord had said to Abram, this is way back in the Old Testament, it's the first man that God called to kind of really walk with him in a special way. This man was going to turn into his lineage a massive nation that called the nation of Israel. This is a major moment in the scripture where God is calling a man. There's no real precedent for this. God doesn't really, hasn't really have a lot of scripture yet of calling a bunch of people. This is kind of a, a new concept. This was the first man that God wanted to call out from among them to be separate, to be his people. This is a major moment. Everyone listen up. So it says right here that he literally says it like this. Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. If you do this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. An incredible blessing if you get out from where you are and just go. Where are we going? Where I tell you. No, where was that again? <laughs> where I tell you. Uh, but what's going to be there when I get there? Just wait. You'll, you'll see it when you get there. Okay, I'd like to know a little bit more. You're asking me to leave everything that's comfortable. You're asking me to give up everything for a maybe blessing. Let me say it like this. You're asking me to go somewhere and I'll get this promise. 
but I'm not sure I'll even get it if I make the commitment. See, most of us would be like, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. Is that the Lord? Lord, is that you? I think I'm going to wait a little while. But not Abram. The Bible says that Abram in verse 4, are you ready? Verse 4, Abram departed. Just like that. Is that, how, is that how it works with us? That's not that easy. The Lord's like, look, I want you to give $5 to someone today because they're going through a hard time. You're like, Lord, let me just pray about that for a second. Lord, oh. Let me see if I can feel everything confirming. Any green lights, confirmations, prophecies. Oh, is this the Lord? What would happen if God was like, yeah, just move. Take everything you own and go. Go where? Go where I tell you to go. It's going to work out. Trust me. We would be like, no, I need a little more. Y'all, there's no prophet. There's no church. There's no confirmation. It's just a voice in my head saying, Take everything, my whole life, give it up, and if I do, I'll be blessed. And Abram said, sure, let's go. You don't have to have a long prayer meeting. Just go. You don't have to sit here all day and say, is that you, Lord? Just go. When God speaks, don't spend your life praying about it. Just go, obey, and do it. Oh, it gets better, y'all. Verse 5. So Abram took his wife, Sarah, like, you're going to. If I'm going to go, you got to go. If you get married, you got to go where they go. That's part of getting married. I want to do what I want to do. Uh, well, if you get married, you can't. Because if God speaks to someone, it's, it's kind of your take together. And, uh, yeah. So Abraham took Sarah, and he was like, come on. But it didn't stop there. He's like, uh, hey, uh, Lot, you come too. <laughs> Lot's like, what did I do? Lot's just trying to chill, have a good life, you know. God didn't even speak to Lot, and God didn't even speak to Sarah. It's just kind of like, well, all right, you're my uncle, so I guess I'll go with you. So, so he grabs Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, just straight starts packing camels with all their stuff. What are we doing, Abram? We're obeying. But, but we should wait on God. Let's make sure this is his will. No, God said it. I believe it. And I want to be different. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to have a walk with God. I want to know God. I want to be blessed by God. I want to be used by God. So the Bible says that they, they, they got their possessions, they gathered, and the people whom they acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Now look when he gets to that place, all by faith, all by obedience, look what verse 7 says. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. Listen closely. Abraham obeyed first and worshipped second. We like to worship first and talk God out of it. Oh, God. Ah, ah. You can have everything, just don't make me go. I'll do everything, just don't let me obey you. I'll give you my life, just don't send me. Abram, he did it. And then he found his worship. Because your best worship is on the other side of your obedience. 
This is the same God that said, I'd rather have obedience than sacrifice. Y'all, we, we pray. And we say we're waiting on God and we sing songs and we want to worship you and God's just like, obey. You really want to impress me? Leave your father's house. You really want to do the will of God? Then get up from where you are and make something happen in the physical realm, not just always in your mind and always in your heart. Oh, Lord, you've got my heart. If God doesn't have your feet, he doesn't have your heart. Until God has your feet, he does not have your heart. You've got to show God. Look, everything that comes out of you comes from your heart. If nothing's coming out of you, then God has no heart yet. So we worship first. And then we try to talk God out of his commandments in prayer meetings that last all night. We wrestle with God. We're not sure we want to obey. And most of our prayers and our weeping sessions are because God is saying, do it, and we don't want to. You ever just wept a whole lot? You didn't know why? It could be because God's calling you to do something, and you're trying to talk him out of it. But God, help us be like Abram, a friend of God, who says, yes, Lord, I don't have to pray anymore. I'm not going to wait any longer. I've, I've heard from you, and I'm going to go. So church family, guess it matters how you wait. Jesus will always give you just what you need to know, always. Let me tell you, let me bring you back to our text. In our case today, Pentecost Sunday, Jesus gave plenty of information to tell you what to do while you're waiting. The first thing that Jesus told them what to do was, he told them where to wait at, everyone say, Jerusalem. So God won't just tell you to wait on him, he will tell you where to wait on him. It matters where you wait on him. You can't wait on God wherever you want to, because atmosphere creates Atmosphere creates futures. The right atmosphere creates something. The promise of God is in a location. You can't just be wherever you want to be and fulfill the promises of God. And the first thing that Jesus gave them information was, is I want you to go to Jerusalem because the promise will begin there. You can wait, but you've got to wait where he says to wait. Number two, he will tell you who to wait with because it matters who you wait with. The Holy Ghost did not pour out on a mixed crowd of unbelievers and believers. It poured out on witnesses. Someone say witnesses. Jesus spoke to the witnesses and said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. So it it matters who you wait with. If you're going to receive the promise, be careful who you bring with you. Abraham found out the hard way. Because in the story of Abraham, when he pulled Lot, there was a little bit of drama because he pulled Lot. Fun fact, God did not say grab Lot. God said, leave your family. Man, did y'all just feel what I just felt? What if some of you are trying to do God's will with people you feel obligated to help, but they're holding you back, and they're never going to get their promise anyway? Look, there is no future in your family if you don't get to your promise. You have to get to the place before your descendants have hope. Your descendants don't have hope because you let them hold you back. Your descendants have hope when you get to the place of promise. 
God said, I will give the land you get to after you get there. But you've got to detach from things sometimes in your life to get to the promise just so your family can arrive later at a later date. But sometimes you've got to let go of things just to get them to get there one day. Because when God calls you out, he calls you out. And nothing should come between you and God. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Doing the will of God is more important than sitting down and saying, I'm waiting on you, God. And then the third thing he said was, are you going to wait doing what? Well, the answer is in the word waiting. Terry. The Greek word is kathizo. In the Greek, and this word means to sit down and wait with expectation. To sit in transition. To sit expecting not to stay, but expecting to get something and move on. It wasn't just waiting for nothing. It was waiting for something. And when you wait on God, you don't just wait, but you wait believing something is about to happen while I'm waiting. Notice it did not say in the Greek, lie down, because lie down indicates settle, permanent, long-term. It says sit with expectation. Sitting is great. Sitting is transition. Lying down is more permanent. Standing is let's go. Sitting is the middle ground. Sitting is when you're waiting just for a season for something to happen, and you can quickly rise back up and get back in the journey. The people of God right now are in sitting mode. They know him. They've seen him, and the Old Testament has been, has been broken open before their eyes, and they know everything they need to know about God. And that's why Jesus said, go tarry, go sit, go wait with expectation. What do you do while you are waiting? You have expectation. I have expectation today in the service. I have anticipation in the service. I believe someone is going to receive the Holy Ghost any second. I believe any moment uh, someone's going to want to lift up some hands uh, and let tears roll down their face, um, and they're going to receive the Holy Ghost today. I I know right now we're sitting in anticipation, believing that God is faithful, and he will pour out his spirit in this service today. I'm not laying down. I'm sitting today. I'm ready for what's about to happen. Anybody else sitting today in this place with expectation, waiting for what's about to take place any moment? This word suggests expectation. We wait on a light to turn green. We wait on our food to come to our table. You wait for your wedding day with anticipation, Brother Brandon. Hold hold on, my friend. Thou art almost there. Who has ever waited for nothing? What you doing? I'm waiting for what? Nothing. Gonna be here for a while, buddy. So why are you sitting here? I'm sitting here for nothing. Okay. Have fun with that. No one ever waited for nothing. Waiting has to have something at the end of it. So when he said Terry and he said wait, it doesn't mean just kick back, play video games, doesn't matter. But it was literally on the edge of your seat because any moment the promise is going to be poured out. The promise is going to be poured out. We're about to get it. It's about to happen. It could be now. It could be now. Any minute now. God's going to do it. It's waiting with anticipation and waiting with faith. 
Listen, church family, it matters how we wait. If you wait for nothing, you get nothing. I'm waiting for the service to be over. That's all you're going to get is an over service. Right now in your spirit, you ought to be saying, I'm waiting for what God wants to pour out on me. I'm waiting for what God has for me. I'm waiting on the promise of the Father, and if it's mine and I can get it, I'm waiting on it because I want to get it. Any second, uh, any moment, uh, I can have it. Uh, It's for me. It's for me. It's for me. We wait with faith. Someone say faith. We wait watching for it, expecting it. The atmosphere is charged with one mind, one accord. It's going to happen any second. God's going to pour out of his spirit. Listen, you need to call it like it is. What did Jesus say to wait for? Specifically, what did Jesus say in the text in Luke to wait for? In Luke. The what? The what? The promise. I'm not just waiting on a word. I'm waiting on the promise of a God who cannot lie. You see, say it like it is. I'm not just waiting on something. I'm waiting on an affirmed promise, a confirmed word from a God that cannot lie. I'm not just waiting. I'm waiting on a promise. Hey, y'all, this is much bigger than you realize. I am waiting on a God that cannot lie to fulfill a promise to me that he said he would do. I know this will happen because my God cannot lie. I know I'm about to talk in tongues because my God has promised it. Hey, it's not just a promise. It's a promise of the Father. It's not a promise of Jesus. It's a promise of the Father. Now, why does this matter? Because the Jews are being preached to. Yeah. You see, Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew that if you don't completely trust me to give you the promise, I know you'll trust the Father. (laughs) He said, guess what, guys? There's going to be a promise coming, and it's not going to be just me that gives it to you, even though when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I want to make sure you don't doubt this. The same God that said, let there be light, your Father is the same Father that's about to pour out the Holy Ghost on each and every one of you. Hey, I'm not just waiting on something to happen right in this service. I'm waiting on the promise of my Father. I'm waiting on the promise of my Father. The same one that said, let there be a world. Let there be humanity. Let there be animals. I'm waiting on that God to give me the promise. Hey, y'all, we're going to be okay. You know why? Because it's our Father. Our Father who loves us. So... So Jesus took it way back to the Jews' original boss and said, he's the one that said, you're going to get it. Just go wait. But now they're stuck because now they have to choose between believing that they can get it or believing that the God that made the heavens and the earth is a liar. They're trapped. Either you believe that God is a liar or you believe you're about to talk in tongues. You have to pick now. You see, you're trapped. You have to choose a path. Either God cannot lie and the promise is for you today, or you believe God's a liar. What a sober thought. But that puts a lot of pressure on God, doesn't it? 
Because now I know that God has great incentive to help you receive the Holy Ghost today. Because he doesn't lie. Look, two things happen when people leave church. They either believe it or they believe that God's not real. That's the only way it works. Either you believe or you don't believe. There's only two choices. You can't halfway believe. And so he puts them in a position where they've got to choose a pathway, and there's no middle ground. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one road to salvation. And either you believe you can have the promise right now, or you walk away and say that your, your father is a liar. Y'all, that, that's, that's putting us right in the middle of a blessing on the way, because if, if, if there's only two lanes to pick now. Someone's like, well, I just don't know what's about to happen. I'll tell you what's about to happen. Either God's a liar or he's not. What's going to happen in this service? Well, either God's real or he's not. Is God going to part of spirit today? Either God will or he's not real. Either he's a liar or he tells the truth. So if you believe in him at all, you believe you're going to get the Holy Ghost today. Getting the promise of the Father is evidence that you believe the Father. So say it out loud whenever you pray today and say, I'm waiting on my promise, Father. That's much different. How long should we wait? The Bible says it. Jesus said it. Wait until. Someone say until. Until what? Until you are endued or the Greek word is clothed with power from on high. Please hear me today. You will know when you get the promise of the Father. Because the Bible identifies it literally as power wrapping you up completely. People say all the time, Pastor, I I feel weak. I feel stuck. I feel like I can't make it. I feel like no one's for me. I feel like I'm not going to get through my battle and my trial. And here we have a promise from the Father promising to clothe us in power. And we would walk out those doors. And then later have the audacity to tell us that you actually want help. You will get no greater help today than getting the Holy Ghost before you leave. You can't leave her today and tell your spouse, I just need help if you walk out on the Holy Ghost. You can't go tell your boss, I just need help whenever you turn your back on the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is power to overcome anything that is coming against you right this moment. You will feel powerful when you get the Holy Ghost. I know we don't like to wait for the promises of God, and there are times that we think God has promised us and then left us, but it's not true, church family. God is waiting on us to obey what He has told us to do. God is waiting on us. If there's a song in heaven, the song is, I'm going to wait on them. I'm going to wait on them. I've told them to come to church. I told them to go ahead and love me, but I'm going to wait on them. And you know what? He's good at waiting on us. The Bible says he's patient. And he's been waiting on some of you a long time. But time is running out. And he can wait, but guess who can't? We can't wait. He can wait for eternity, but not us. Because we're the ones that are finite and only have a few moments left. And God is not 
doing anything today except for waiting on us to obey what he's already told us to do. So what do you do when you haven't heard from God in a while and you think you're waiting on him? You do the last thing he told you to do. A lot of us have scriptures we've been taught. We've got Bible scriptures we've read. We've got commandments and prophecies that we've ignored. And we're asking for God to give us a fresh word when we have rejected the last word. And the reason we want a fresh word is because we did not like the last word. I really feel the Holy Ghost talking to us right now. I have been guilty of coming to church and trying to talk God out of things, looking for a new one, when God keeps trying to tell me the old one. And I feel like my God is not talking anymore because I keep hearing an echo in my mind of things he's told me in the past. But it's not an echo. It's not the echo in your memory. It's the same voice from God. It's the same God talking to you today that talked to you last year because you didn't listen last year. And so God has not left you. You're calling it waiting. It's not waiting. It's disobedience. What do you do when you keep hearing the same thing over and over in your head and it feels like God's not giving you a fresh word? You do the last thing you didn't want to do. And you conquer it. Because there is no point in going forward if you will not do what God has already spoken for you to do. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands and pray for a moment. We need to receive that word right now. What do you do when you you don't think God's speaking to you? You do the last thing God said to you. What do you do whenever you wonder where he's at? You've got to do the things you've been taught from 50 years ago, 30 years ago, last year. What did God already tell you? Master what God told you, and then God will show you what is next. Do the last thing God said to do. If you want to wait on God correctly, you need to wait obediently. The only way to truly wait on God the right way is to make sure you go back over the checklist of every word God has already given you and your family and you have performed the will of God. Listen, if there's something God told you 10 years ago you haven't done yet, that's the reason why you feel like you're in a waiting hold. You're in a wilderness walking in circles right now because you have been told to go to the promise, but you don't want to. And you're going to walk in circles for years until you finally get the faith to go into the promised land. God, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. I feel like I just go through the motions, Pastor. I just feel like all the time I'm just waiting on God. That's because you're waiting on yourself. To obey him. I don't know what's not breaking free for your life. I don't know what you're not getting you're not getting from God, but I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, if you will do the thing you've already been told to do, then God will open up a whole new realm to you. He'll open up a whole new level to you, but you're stuck right now. You're stuck because you've rejected the word of God and you're calling it waiting, but it's really disobedience and God can't give you anything else until you conquer where you are. He is speaking to you, and the reason why you don't think he's speaking to you is because he's saying the same thing he told you five years ago. And you're calling it memory when the truth is it's just repetitive. Well, that's an old word. No, it's not. It's a new word. You just haven't done it. We've got to obey what God has told us, and our waiting seasons, they don't need to be about us. If you're going to wait on God, it's because God has told you. To wait, God 
has put you there. But how you wait matters. Listen, there is no future blessing until you fulfilled your past commandments. We all want God to give us something new for the future. But God is saying, you haven't even done what I've asked you. Listen, church family, if God is quiet, pull out your notes from the last word that he gave you. Pull out the message from last Sunday that you haven't obeyed yet. Because you cannot go forward until you have began to bring out everything God's already commanded you. You will keep repeating the same lessons over and over until you finally obey God and worship second. Obedience is better than your worship. It's time for us, church family, to master yesterday's messages. Get them in our hearts. So Jesus told them the where and the who and the what and even the how long. You wait until you don't go anywhere. And they have been given the plan, but they don't know why other than their obedience to God. Their blind obedience, they don't even know why. He told us to go get the promise, but, but we already have the Bible. And we already, we've walked with him. What possibly could we receive better than everything we've already received? People everywhere need the gospel. They need a miracle. They need love. Why are we waiting 10 days when we could be reaching lost people? That sounds like Judas, doesn't it? This is such a waste of money. We could be giving money to the poor. Sounds so spiritual, don't you? There are really fake spiritual people out there that stay busy doing things, but not doing God's will. There are people that want to bypass the plan and process because it feels better to be busy working than to be obedient. And so we could have easily argued at this moment, why wait 10 days for the promise of the Father when we've already got so much revelation? It may seem easy to us because we can see it backwards, but they had to have great faith to stop their ministries, to stop the miracles, and to go into Jerusalem and find an upper room and just wait for an unknown number of days for God to do something. And the whole world's going to hell. And we're excited about ministering revival. And we know him, and we've seen him die, and we've seen him live again, and we know the Old Testament. It's been opened up to us, but yet he told us, don't do anything until you get the promise of the Father. Please hear me today. It can be tempting to pass up Pentecost when you've already had a walk with Jesus for so many years. I know a lot of good Baptist folks, Methodist folks, charismatic folks who, who walk with the Lord, but they pass up Pentecost. Because they say, I have been a believer for a long time. What can you possibly give me I don't already have? I already have the memory of being with the Lord. I already have understanding of the Scriptures. So why do you want me to go wait so long and invest so many resources at Pentecost? Shouldn't I be ready to go without Pentecost? They were given power to cast out devils already. Y'all know that? That's biblical, right? Before they even got the promise of the Father, they got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Jesus gave them power to cast out devils and heal all types of diseases. Why do they need the Holy Ghost then? 
Fun fact, you can have that gift and have that power and still not have the Holy Ghost and still be lost. So don't you ever measure someone's salvation off of the gifts that they work in. Because Jesus apparently can give you the gifts and you don't have to have the Holy Ghost. He did it in the Bible. So he did it in the Bible. He gave them the power to, to heal diseases and cast out devils. They were trained to love people already. They saw Jesus. They could love people just fine. Why do they need the Holy Ghost? I watched Jesus love people. I could just copy him. They could tell people about Jesus. They could tell everything about him. Jesus walked like this. I've watched him. He eats like this. I know everything there is to know. I know if he snores or not. I know if he, I know if he, if he gets out of bed and he, uh, he stretches like that. I know everything. I've lived with him for three years. What could you possibly give me at Pentecost that I don't already know about? They could give his exact quotes. They could tell you how he smiled. They could tell you what his favorite outfit was and what he wore. They could hug people the same way. He hugged like this. This is how we hug. They could talk about how long he stayed places and, 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 and how long or when he would leave places. And they could even pray and sound just like him. You know, we, we would like to copy Jesus in our prayers. Y'all, they literally could act just, we copy preachers, you know. Bless God, God, God. That's how we preach. We copy preachers. Isn't that right, Jaden? We always try to copy the best preachers. But they could copy Jesus. Because they've seen him and they know him. And yet, Jesus says, it does not matter. Don't you dare pass Pentecost. You may be a witness, but you better go wait. We good over here? You like this? I got an amen corner here, here, here. I got some good amen corners around the church. Yeah, D.C. quiet today, so you're going to have to make up the difference, all right? Usually he's up here going, amen, amen. He's just, the Holy Ghost is moving on him right now. He's just feeling it. Yeah, that's all right. They were, as Luke 24, 48 put it, witnesses of him. So what's the big deal with going to get the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Father who came to earth, died for our sins, and rose up out of the grave. The disciples could tell you what it was to be with Jesus. But they could not tell you what it was like to be like Jesus. The difference in Pentecost and the reason why we prioritize the Holy Ghost is because when you get the Spirit of the Lord in you, you know much more than what they saw. You know much more than just the Bible. You begin to have his nature. It doesn't matter what you've seen. It doesn't matter if you're a witness or a Bible scholar. You cannot leave this service today without making sure you are full of the Holy Ghost. 
It doesn't matter how much you study the Bible. You still need to be full of the Holy Ghost before you leave this service today. It doesn't matter how many, how much church you've gone to. You need to receive the Holy Ghost before you leave today. It doesn't matter how clean you try to act. You need to receive the Holy Ghost today. How many years, how many year verses you can quote, how many years you've been in church, how much you think you know about Jesus. It's not enough for the witnesses. It's not enough for you. Witnesses must wait on the Holy Ghost. Witnesses must go get the Holy Ghost because there will never be anything better than being filled with the very nature of our God. I'm closing. I'm, I'm done. Musicians can come. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In my closing today, they had to go to Jerusalem and they had to wait for days, probably 10 days. It was about a half day journey from Bethany over to Jerusalem. Somebody rented an upper room. I don't know why it was an upper room. I don't know if it was a room on a hill. I don't know if it was a second story of a building. All I know is they called it the upper room. We assume it was like the upstairs, but it had to be pretty big because 120 people gathered in the upper room. And so they gathered up in the upper room. They went to Jerusalem. Maybe they were there nine days, ten days. That's a long time. I don't know if they slept there. I don't know if they just came in and out and they stayed in their homes or hotels or wherever they stayed. But guess what today? You do not have to wait 10 days. They had to because God wanted to pour the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost, which was a symbol of a day of feast, a day of reward, a day of getting something from the fruit. And so Pentecost was the special day. It was first poured out. But you and I today do not have to wait. We can receive the Holy Ghost right this second. We can receive the Holy Ghost easily. We can receive the Holy Ghost without delay. We don't have to wait forever because it's being poured out right now. It's being poured out right now. It's being poured out right now in this place. The Holy Ghost is being poured out. All you've got to do is open up and receive it today. It's for everybody. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. Aren't you glad? There's a little bit of strife over there right now. You don't have to be in an upper room. We can stay right here on the floor number one because it wasn't the power of where they were. It was the fact that they obeyed the Lord and they had one mind, one accord, and they had expectation and the Spirit poured out. You can now get the Holy Ghost easily. Right now. So here's my question. First question. Do you even want the Holy Ghost? And if you do, why? Because if you can't answer why, you're probably not going to get it. People want the Holy Ghost sometimes because we've preached about getting the Holy Ghost. Or it sounds fun. Everybody else is getting the Holy Ghost. But if you don't, if you don't answer the question why, it's going to be difficult to receive the Holy Ghost. And here's why you should. You will never learn enough about Jesus to take away the necessity of having Jesus. And if you think that you can leave today and just study him and it's enough, it's not true. If you think that you can just be at church and it's enough, not true. Being around the Lord, watching the Lord, is not having the Lord. And the reason why the most powerful preachers in the entire world had to go wait for the promise is because it is the climax, it's the highest point of our salvation. It is necessary to give us power. Hey, listen, not power over devils. 
No, not power over sickness. Power over sin. A lot of good men that had a lot of cool miracles have sinned and backslid and walked away from God. A lot of women who were mightily used by God have quit God and sin took them over. But this power gives you authority over temptations. It gives you power over depression. You can't cast out depression. You know why? Because that's your nature talking to you. That's your mentality. That spirit inside of you is messed up. You've got to get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives you the fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes when you get the Holy Ghost. Hey, you're going to get full of joy when you get the Holy Ghost. Full of peace. Anybody need some peace today? You can't have peace without the Holy Ghost. When Jesus was alive, he calmed the storm around them. But now he calms the storm within them. I don't just want that Jesus to be around me, Brother Joe. I want that Jesus inside of me. God's going to pour out his spirit on you today, and I believe you can receive it or be renewed in it. So that's question number one. Answer why you want it. I want it because it will never be good enough to just know about him. I've got to know him. Number two, do you believe you can get the Holy Ghost right now? Because if you believe you can get it right now and you want it, then how long will it take to get it? It will take as long as it takes for you to believe that you can have it and that you want it. Now, now Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he did not say in these words that you can't get the Holy Ghost if you don't repent and you don't get baptized. We know in the Bible that people got the Holy Ghost that were not baptized in water, but we don't really believe for the most part that you can get the Holy Ghost unless you have to repent. And repenting is turning to God. But what I have learned about repentance is that you can in a moment say, God, I want you. And then in a moment say, God, I don't. Right? Fair enough. And I think this is the reason why people have gotten the Holy Ghost and not yet really meant it. When I was 12, I got the Holy Ghost. I came to the altar and I got the Holy Ghost. You know why I got the Holy Ghost? Because my brother was in a drama that our church did. And my older brother, seven years older than me, was actually going to hell in the drama. It's real easy to get the Holy Ghost when your brother's going to hell. It took me a while to get the Holy Ghost. That really spoke to me. When you're watching your brother burn and he's got chains on him, you kind of want to go to the front and not go to hell. But I did not live a righteous life after I got the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because I might not have fully repented, but I believed. I believed and I wanted it, but I'm not sure I really repented. And so today in this place, you don't have to clean your life up. You don't have to be perfect. You've got to want a power that can get you out of the mess you're in. Repentance is simply our desire to turn to God, but it's not power. 
The power of the Holy Ghost is what clothes us and keeps us living right. So today in this place, if you want it, you can have it. The question is, will you want it tomorrow when you wake up too? I've met a lot of people that wanted it during church, but did not want it on Monday. You know, all we want, here's my theory. We want the Holy Ghost at church on Sunday because this is where you do Holy Ghost. We don't want the Holy Ghost on Monday because your job doesn't like Holy Ghost-filled people sometimes. Your family doesn't like Holy Ghost-filled people sometimes. Can I get amen? If some of y'all went home talking in tongues and doing all the stuff you do up and in the church, they'd be like, hey, you need to move out. We've got to get you out of here. And I, I think sometimes we want God when it's convenient. And that's why it's easy to get the Holy Ghost in church. But where you really need God to move is when you're not in church. And once you learn how to walk with God when you're not in church, that's when you stick, and that's when your roots get, and that's when you're good. So how do you get the Holy Ghost? It's easy. We tell people, repent, turn to God. How do you do that? How do you promise God you're going to turn to Him forever? It's, it, it's impossible. It's a willingness to say, God, I want you. I believe I can have you. And I'm not perfect. I may not have it all figured out. But I want to start today with getting the power of the Holy Ghost in me. Because that's the only hope we're going to have to stay on the course. And I believe God wants to pour out His Holy Ghost in this place today. Here's how it works, y'all. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Anybody have flesh? Everybody look at your finger. You good? You got flesh? Good? You are a candidate for the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm not living right. It, look at your flesh. See, God is pouring out of His Spirit upon all flesh. So you know what you got to do? It's very simple. Open up. Catch it. Catch it. It's pouring out upon you as we speak. It's pouring out. What, how do you get the Holy Ghost? You beg? No. You got to do something perfect? No. We say we're sorry. Are you really? Anybody can say you're sorry. That's not the power. The power is do you want the Holy Ghost in you? Do you want to lead you and guide you and, and tell you and give you joy and peace? If you want it, you can have it. It is a lot easier than we realize. These preachers go to Ethiopia and they just, no one even knows about God. And they're like, you can have the Holy Ghost. They're like, okay. And they all start talking in tongues. Like trying to just slice it up and dissect it in America. We're like, well, here, understand the word repentance in the Greek, and, and here's how you spell Jesus backwards. And if you can do this and do that, and if you can just go ahead and live perfect, and people all across seas are just like, I want it. It's not hard to get the Holy Ghost. Come back full circle. God's waiting on you to open up. There's some things you don't have to wait for. And the Holy Ghost is one of them. He's already said to get it. He's already promised it to you. And if you're ready today before you leave, all you've got to do is open up and get underneath one of the funnels that God is pouring out His Spirit in the last days, and it's for you. It's for imperfect people to make you perfect. It's for people that don't know what else to do. You're broken. You don't understand the Bible. Don't understand God. But you're about to get the Spirit of God in you. 
And it's for everybody in this place today. And when you get full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says they begin to speak in a different language as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Why would God do that? Because your tongue is nasty, just like mine. And when God begins to fill you with His Spirit, it takes over your tongue. And you give up control to God. And you begin to speak in a supernatural way that's not you because God has now taken over the driver's seat and He is steering your mind. And your mind controls your language. And when God begins to get a hold of you in a full package like that, you begin to speak words you do not understand. This is a sign that you're not in control. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Who has your heart? Who has your heart? Because when God gets your heart, you begin to speak under the influence of God. Don't just talk in tongues. One of the things we've done wrong in Pentecost is we've told people you'll talk in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost. You'll also stop cussing. You'll stop chewing out your family. Start being, start being all nasty with your language and your jokes. Because when God gets your tongue, He gets your tongue. But He gets it through your heart. God's, God's going to pour His Spirit out. I know He is. It's prophetic. I can't even stop it. If God, I couldn't even stop God from pouring out His Spirit. He said, I've promised that it's yours. It's yours. I would like to see God fill some with the Holy Ghost today. But more than that, I'd like to see somebody receive it. In fact, I think, Brother Aubrey, I've said it wrong. I think I've said it like this. God's about to pour out His Spirit. That's wrong. He is pouring out His Spirit. That kind of sounds like we're waiting on God. We're not waiting on God, Aubrey. God's waiting on you right now. God's waiting on you right this second. We are not waiting on God because he said, I promise you, I will give you my spirit. It's time to receive the Holy Ghost. He's pouring out. It's time to receive it. What did Jesus say? It breathed on them and said, receive. All you've got to do is open up and receive it. What about my family? Who cares? Receive it. Start with this and then go. But don't move a muscle until you receive the Holy Ghost. No matter where you're at in your spiritual walk with God, get the Holy Ghost. Are you ready to receive the Holy Ghost today? It's not going to take long. Hey, it's not going to take long. We're not going to have to have a long altar call today. It's ready right now. Let's all stand. Let's get ready. I'm not worried about it one bit. It's going to happen easy. Somebody say easy. Hey, the hard part's done. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He sent back the power of the Holy Ghost. It's done. Everybody say it's done. It's happening right now. If you believe your God cannot lie, then you believe that the Holy Ghost is being poured out right this second. And all you've got to do is open up a channel to God and the Spirit will begin to flow into you from your feet to your head. It will begin to overflow out of your mouth and then you will feel the enclosed, enduing power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me, listen. Listen, from, from Craig all the way around, all the way around to Saul, it doesn't matter what you did today. If you woke up messed up, you still deserve the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter if you cussed last night. It doesn't matter if you woke up angry this morning. It doesn't matter if you drank a little last night, did the weed last night, or talked mean to someone last night. It does not matter. It does not disqualify you. In fact, it calls you closer.
I just felt a spirit of I don't deserve it. And he died for you. He paid the price. And it does not matter who you are right now. He said, I will pour out of my spirit upon flesh. Not good flesh. Just flesh. I'll pour it out on white folks. No. Rich folks. No. Just give me that dirty, stinky flesh. Do you see this flesh that makes us crazy? This flesh just makes us hurt people. This flesh just made us do bad things. He said, I can fix that flesh problem. If you've got bad attitudes, receive the Holy Ghost. If you've got addictions, receive the Holy Ghost. If you aren't living right, receive the Holy Ghost. It's for everybody, whosoever wills. Pastor, I've done this before. This doesn't work. Hear me right now. Come on, I'm working in the prophetic right now. Hear me right now. It will work if you wake up tomorrow and not need a church to pray you through. It will work. The difference is you've only had experiences with the Holy Ghost around Holy Ghost people. And as soon as you begin to make your mind up that when you wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be this same person, it works. The difference is we only have deep moves of God around people. People of God, people of faith. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to have the Holy Ghost keep it and see the difference in it, then make your mind up that this is just not for today. This is for every day. This is for every day. No matter who's around me, it's for me. Look, he'll pour the Holy Ghost at your house. He'll pour the Holy Ghost in your car. He'll pour the Holy Ghost in your prayer closet. He'll pour it out no matter where you're at across the world. He said, I'll pour it out anywhere, anytime. You just have to stay open. If you stay open, the Spirit flows. That's it, Ernest. If you stay open, the Spirit flows. If you want it, you get it. If you want it, you keep it. The Holy Ghost is moving right now in this place. Lift up your hands. Because we're going to receive it. You might not even understand the word repentance, but that doesn't matter. Repentance, you'll figure it out one day. But right now, you've got to want it. You've got to want to be done with your filthy life. And you've got to want His pure spirit influencing your thoughts, influencing your mind, influencing your body. You can receive the Holy Ghost because He is pouring it out right this second. It's happening right now. I'm telling you, if you can see through eyes of faith, then the windows of heaven are opened up over this church, and God is still pouring out His Spirit on us.